Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the first episode of the 2023 season and the 47th overall episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, Chris Blessing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brent Hershey. Brent, how are you doing today? Doing good, Chris. Uh, We got through um, book season and we got through event season. We were at First Pitch Florida and then had a uh, virtual event last saturday uh that uh had a great attendance so uh now it's uh it's kind of kind of nice uh i got a bunch of drafts to go yet i've done a done a bunch already um but not having the events for uh hanging over my head for now is a is a good is a good uh (laughs) thing this week if you're a returning listener a first-time listener we're happy to that you are listening to us today for the first time listeners, this is a unique fantasy uh, prospect podcast because the podcast is driven by live prospect looks. It's spring training and outside of a few games Brent saw in Florida during first pitch Florida where he was extremely busy. Uh, neither of us have been to the pa- ballpark. Uh, Brent, did you get to see anybody at all? Uh, I did. Yep. I saw the, the uh, Jordan Walker two home run game. Uh, which nice. is a Saturday, Saturday part of uh, of that weekend. Um, I was joking to somebody. It's nothing like having you know a bunch of uh, fantasy guys there uh, to pump up the hype a little bit in person. Seeing Jordan Walker smash two home runs and a and a rocket double uh, out the left center field. Um, so we did that on Saturday, and then I stayed over on the Monday and uh, went out by myself to. Uh, St. Louis Washington game, which was uh, which was good. Uh, saw an, a uh, I think Mason Wynn was in that game. Uh, was just about ready to leave, and uh, Tink Hentz came in for an inning, so that was fun uh, to to watch him. Um, and uh, so, but I wasn't in uh, I wasn't in full evaluation mode. I was no. in uh, decompression mode. As <laughs> Obviously, obviously, it's hard when you're at one of these events. Uh, first pitch Arizona in 2021, I pretty much dedicated myself to getting live looks. And it cost me time at the conference. So this last yeah. year when we were at Arizona, um, I ended up spending more time at the conference and, uh, you know, lost some of my evaluation time. But that's all OK. Uh, well, we have a lot of show planned this week and it should be a good show. Uh, and we're going to be around. 2023 rookies we're actually going to be kind of like doing a redraft episode which we don't tend to ever do i don't think we've ever done a redraft uh episode but it's good to talk about rookies uh especially since we've spent the whole off season either writing or talking about rookies uh internally uh 
Next week, the podcast will welcome a special guest who will bring some live looks to the pod. Uh, but we, before we get to our episode, we would like to address kind of a change in our format. Uh, Brent Hershey, uh, my co-host for all but two of our previous 46 episodes, and when he went on the injured list last summer with uh, <laughs> illness that was not determined. Uh, uh, could have been COVID, could have been something you tested negative, but I'm going to tell you, as somebody who now has had COVID three times, it sounded like COVID. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyway, you're you're going to be cutting back on your schedule this year. Um, You know, last year was a bit of a rush. Uh, You've had a lot going on, especially on Mondays when we normally record, uh, because it's the only off day during the minor league season. So um, anyway, um, Brent, would you like to say something about that? Yeah, uh, just the other responsibilities I've had uh, made it um, uh, challenging to to um, commit all what I needed to for the show for every week. Uh, so you and I talked, Chris, and we're gonna uh, I'm gonna appear every other week. Um, we'll still be going to the park and getting looks and and discussing that sort of stuff when I'm on, uh, but it's just gonna be an every other week thing. Uh, for me, and uh, you know that'll free you up to have some other uh, pretty interesting guests, I think, um, to explore some other areas. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a good thing for us and a good thing for the listeners too to have uh, extra voices. I think so too. I think it it actually takes the pressure a bit off of both of us um, because on the weeks that you're not on the episode. I'm going to make whoever our special guest is our featured, uh, essentially our featured guest. Um, they're going to be the ones that are going to actually bring it to the show those weeks. So I'll be able to save my looks for the weeks that Brent's on, and we can have our normal discussions about the different prospects we get to see, me in the Southern League, you in the South Atlantic League. Um, I also get to see South Atlantic League, too. Uh, um, don't forget Rome. So like, and, and you also get to see some of the Eastern league and AAA action, uh, near you as well. So we should have a lot of coverage. Um, yeah, but you know, just kind of a quickly explain that, like, you know, I thought about what to do with this. I didn't know what the best way to go at things. I thought about maybe bringing on another co-host half the time. Kind of maybe even doing something like our friends uh, Justin Mason, and Paul Spore and Jason Collette have done on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, where it seems like there's two, maybe three people there, but there's always always Justin. I guess I would be the Justin Mason of this uh, <laughs> of this group. <laughs> anyway, I might revisit that next off season. Brent's given me some some leeway on how I um, see fit with the show. Um, but we want to bring you kind of a different guest every other week to be featured attraction of the podcast. As I said, we got some live uh, look chatter next week from a friend of our show who's going to be working the backfields after the touts were um, draft that he's in. And that's uh, Baseball America's own Jeff Ponce. Um, I'll probably record on with him on Thursday night like we're recording today. Uh, we're not. Um, will be Mondays during the season, but like right in, you know, um, publishing on either Tuesday or Wednesday. But for right now, we probably publish on Saturdays. And really, truly, we don't have uh, off days to really worry about right now. So um, as for the other weeks when, uh, you know, I have to find somebody on that fourth week, you'll hear from some of the other HQ Miners writers who scout from the park. We've had uh, Rob Gordon and Jeremy Deloney join us in the past. They'll be invited back. Hope they accept. 
Uh, we'll also have another writer joining the um, Baseball HQ Miners team with extensive at-the-park and video scouting experience. Uh, you guys may know him. His his name is Trevor Hoop. Uh, Trevor has uh, been covering the uh, Midwest, Midwest League um, for several years, first at Pitcher's List and then at Prospect Live, which you probably know him the most at. Uh, and he'll also do some video scouting for us as well uh, of the California League. Um, I'm also excited that um, in addition to Trevor, um, he'll be sharing a Tuesday writing slot. So one week he'll be writing, another week another guy will be writing. And uh, last year, Brent and, and us at the minor league team uh, added uh, Doug Otto, um, who joined our team and provided a few data-driven articles for the website and our book. So I'm really excited to expand his uh, coverage as well. So getting those two guys on for our Tuesday subscribers uh, is, is an awesome thing, but I'll be honest, I'll probably bring both of them on. Um, even though Doug doesn't get to the park, we can always um, make it about the live looks I see, and then he can delve into the numbers or, or, or whatever we want to do. So we might have other base, baseball HQ writers appear. I'll also have guests from other sites, just like our friend Jeff here. He's going to appear. I, I should have a special draft episode um, as we approach the draft. Um, and then after the draft, I, I've had some people uh, lined up already. So it uh, should be good. So every other week, guest. Every other week, Brent. Um, anyway, is there anything you would like to add that I might have missed, Brent? I don't think so. I think you uh, got it. Looking, looking uh, forward to the, the changes. And uh, I think it's going to be a good year. I do too. I think it's. I think it's going to really add a lot to us um, specifically, um, because I'll be honest. Last year we ran into some. So you weren't able to get to the park as you hired all those people, and mm -hmm. then my looks just absolutely dried up after May. Um, everybody just did not care anymore about bringing their prospects to a ballpark near me. So. Um, I'm excited, and the best best news is is my looks are going to get really good this year. Southern League looks really hot. South Atlantic League looks really hot as well. So, yeah, so we're in the midst of uh, draft season, and uh, we thought about what better way to help our listeners than to profile some prospects. Obviously, um, there's been a lot, a lot already said and written about uh, you know the top guys, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson. And uh, more recently, Jordan Walker, uh, who has, uh, you know, just kind of really come into exploded uh, this spring. Uh, but we thought it would be more useful to talk about some prospects that are taken later in drafts and uh, kind of from picks 300 onward. Um, we're going to each talk about three guys here in this first segment um, who we've either been uh, taking or have been interested in. Uh, in kind of those late rounds and kind of discuss why um, why we like these guys or why not, um, if, if that's the case, um, in, you know, thinking about redraft leagues. So, you know, pretty much 2023 20, value. And uh, I'm excited to get started here. Uh, Chris, you want to lead us off? Who do you have? Well, my first guy is uh, the guy, the the player that I believe will have the most reps at third base for the New York Mets this year. And mm -hmm. that is third base prospect, a guy that made his major league debut, a guy that Brent's seen a lot. Uh, uh -huh. And that is Brett Beatty. Uh, 
during our virtual conference, uh, I guess, virtual seminar, I don't know what you would call it, virtual first, first pitch virtual last week. Um, mm-hmm. We, I, I was given the opportunity to have a breakout where I just spoke for like 45 minutes and uh, about different prospects. And it was about short sample evaluation. Um, when you were in Florida, uh, a few of uh, the attendees got to see Brett Beatty have a really good game. And I thought that was a really good guy to kind of start with for that um, short mm-hmm. sample size um, uh, scouting, you know, like risk and all that good stuff. Um, little notebook thing. And as I said in there, I was very impressed with Brett Beatty uh, from the video looks I've had, from the live looks I've had in the Arizona Fall League, from the looks this year in spring training. Uh, I, I used a figure on there that showed that he, uh, in his short sample in the major leagues last year, had an average exit velocity of 91 miles per hour, which was identical to the 400 plus at bats that he had in the minor leagues, um, in the plate appearances that he had in the minor leagues, where he hit for the same exit velocity. Um, and this uh, this year so far, he's actually in this spring training, this short samples, hitting the ball even harder on average. Um, this guy's not your traditional um, fantasy guy. I think this is a dude that, uh, if you're in a points league, you're really excited about, um, uh, especially like in the Otenu um, um, format or something like that, or even in Raz, Raz Slam. I know that you're you're involved in Raz Slam right now. This is a yeah. guy that I'm targeting in two draft picks. Uh, I'm waiting for two picks to happen right now, and oh, I'm going to wow. take Brett Beatty, like literally <laughs> going to take him, maybe even on air, even though this will be recorded. And yeah. it will be several days, you know, a couple days, and I've already made four picks afterwards. Uh, but what I like about him is, A, he hits the ball extremely hard. Uh, he is, uh, while there is some swing and miss in the profile, um, he does have, and, and some chase as well, he does work account fairly well despite that. And um, he utilizes the field. And in in my scout at look this year, I saw a double down the left field line, single between the five, six hole, a single between the three, four hole, a single line drive, single to right field, a line drive, single to center, single line to the five, six hole, a home run that was demolished out to center field and another single between the three, four hole. Like this is a guy that utilizes the entire field. Um, Launch angle has always been kind of a question. He doesn't get the greatest angles uh, sometimes uh, when he lofts the ball. Most of his hard contacts, the line drive, and, and in this day and age, when we're all going for home runs, uh, guys like Brett Beatty kind of get sleep uh, slept on. Um, specifically, like in our HQ 500 or 100 this year, um, I kept on looking at him. I thought Dred, I thought ranking. One through 40 was super easy. But there was one guy every time I was like, why do I have him so low on on this ranking? It was always Brent Beatty. And I didn't know. Like, I would re-rank again, and he would still be in, like, the same position. And I think it was kind of some bias on my behalf um, that he's not bringing a home run ball as much as, as other guys are. And the swing and miss is a little concerning um, from a from a profile like this. But... I, I think it's more of a growing pains. Uh, in zone contact is less than, um, you know, he's missing less than twenty percent of the time. 
Um, like just a dynamic player. I think he hit, ends up hitting for a high average even this year. And um, with surprising pop, uh, a guy that probably can beat Eduardo Escobar out for his job. Maybe not the strongest third base, uh, um, you know, third base regular. So, you know, Beatty's kind of my guy this year is a, a guy that I'm trying to get after pick 300 consistently in my drafts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you certainly see, and when I saw him two, two years ago, uh, especially the first look I got of, of him uh, when he was at high A, um, yeah, it was very much just, just um, very much what you described an all fields hitter uh, knew he was going to, uh, kind of continue to get stronger, uh, hit the ball hard via the eye test anyway. And, uh, yeah, in my Raz Slam, I had uh, Beatty queued up also uh, for consideration on a uh, on a pick. And uh, fellow uh, HQ writer uh, Brant Chesser took him uh, the pick before. Brant. In the round before uh, he got to me. So maybe Brant's a listener, I'm not sure, or at least a reader. Uh, but I like uh, definitely like the Brett Beatty pick for sure. I'm going to preface my picks just by saying that uh, mine are often uh, late round picks in draft and hold leagues. So like 50 round leagues sort of after the, uh, you know, where you don't have any in-season pickups. Um, so especially with the first guy, uh, I have gotten a couple uh, shares of Yuri Perez, uh, obviously the right-handed pitcher, um, for the Marlins, um, and and it's mainly uh, why I'm interested in him uh, is mainly because, or or one reason is because of the of the price. He is, uh, for instance, number number nine on our HQ 100, kind of you know tightly um, one of those big three in our uh, top ten overall. Uh, him, Painter, and uh, Andrew Painter and Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, but in but in drafts I've been in, uh, he's one that always has been sliding down near the end um, throughout the you know throughout my experience. Uh, Rodriguez goes first somewhere in the in the twenties. Uh, then Painter goes in the twenty had been gone in the twenty five to twenty seven range. This is before spring training, um, and then often Perez is still around you know in the fortieth round. Um, and I think he's a great, I mean, when you just look at talent alone and, uh, you know, the youth that he has um, and the pedigree that he has so far, uh, you know, our, a 9C rating in our book with um, really outstanding ratings on each of his four pitches, um, you know, and with a number one kind of future uh, role on there, I just think it's one of those guys you, at that point in the draft, you know, sort of makes sense to to uh, take a shot on, um, you know, like I said, we know he's not starting in the minors and he has to climb, you know, through some other uh, Miami starters uh, there. They've got, you know, they've got, um, you know, some depth that he has to get to, uh, but he just has the stuff to move quickly. And um, so Yuri Perez, I know, I know you're a, a big fan also. Um, he's one, uh, you know, one um, top a hundred guy that I'm, uh, interested in in those deep leagues like that uh, on the chance that he's a you know blows through triple a and is a and is, is a, like a second half call mm-hmm. or something like that. it's it's one it, I, I think that's a great pick i actually wrote him up today in our nl east 
uh, NL Central rookie preview that I wrote for the site. Um, yeah, and right. I talked I talked about the Marlins. Uh, you know, there's basically two potential impacts, uh, especially with Max Meyer down. Sixto Sanchez, who we have no idea if mm-hmm. he's even ever going to pitch on a major league mound ever again. Uh, several injuries since he debuted during the 2020 COVID season in the major leagues. Uh, and then Yuri Perez, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of injury last year, uh, missed the rest of the regular season, did make an appearance in the playoffs, uh, pitched really well. Um, the thing is, is he has limited number of innings in his career, 155 career through 77 last year, excluding those playoff, uh, playoff innings. Um, but the thing is, it's like, even if you're getting in a draft and hold 25 to 40 innings of major league ball from, from Perez, it's still going to be a good investment at yeah. pick 40, you know, your round 40 pick or, or, yeah. you know, you're grasping at that time sometimes, uh, and uh, you're looking for impact if, if if something happens. You'd rather get a Yuri Perez than, than uh, oh, God, I can't believe I just, like, I saw that Jordan Yamamoto retired. But, like, in that <laughs> little range of things, I hate yeah. to throw on somebody who just retired. But, like, you'd rather take your chance on a Yuri Perez than somebody who sure. uh, could yeah. retire the very next day if you choose him. Um well, my next guy, and I'm going to be kind of quick with him just because um, there's not really much for me to say. I think that Sal Fralick at the Brewers is a prospect. So Garrett Mitchell gets picked before him, um, usually gets picked in the like the 200s. That's where I've seen him in pretty much every draft that I've been in. I don't know where his NFC numbers are, NFBC numbers are. Um, however, Sal Fralick to me is the center fielder that is going to get the most reps in Milwaukee. Uh, Garrett Mitchell has a negative um, um, launch angle. Um, He's has a kind of long swing for a guy that relies on ground ball contact. It's a very odd swing, Uh, but he's fast and he's close to the major leagues. Um, And I think fantasy owners over that are found. I shouldn't say owners fantasy evaluators tend to over value guys like that guys that are very speedy you know have a dimension to them um garrett mitchell looks the part he looks like a major leaguer but um my thinking is is south south with his ability uh it's a shorter swing yes he probably gets about the same amount of impact which is about below in below average uh exit velocities on average um but Freilich, uh is much more of a slasher as a hitter is his uh, swing is built to that, and he also mm-hmm. can um, uh, has pull power as well. So there's also that shot for home runs. While you look at Mitchell and you're, you think that there's going to be a lot of home runs, that negative launch angle really kind of hurts him. Uh, so I believe that Sal Freilich is going to have the most reps in the Milwaukee Brewers uh, outfield this year. And, um, you know, truly, probably a guy that I'm stashing um, maybe after round 30 in a redraft. And if he's somewhere um, maybe in round 35 in, in a draft champions league, uh, draft and hold, I'm probably going to have a South Freilich, uh share. Yeah. 
Sounds good. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Mitchell, Mitchell's, uh, done fairly well this spring too. Um, but, uh, I know I certainly, and, but Freilich has, has also, it's going to be interesting to see, um, how that develops, uh, up there in Milwaukee. Um, for my second guy, I'm going to go, uh, back to the Mets, <laughs> uh, and a guy that we get, that we've talked about together with Beatty and that's Francisco Alvarez, the catcher. Um, this is, you know, this selection is mostly about position. Um, I just, in, in watching him and hearing other reports, uh, looking at some data, I mean, I just, I just believe so much in the bat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard contact uh, all over the place. Um, and having that bat at a catch, you know, at the catching position is, uh, is, such, a, is such a plus. Um, you know, when some of the times when I was taking him before, uh, spring training, uh, you know, I was still holding out hope that he may start uh, with the Mets. I mean, in some capacity, even if it was, was just as a DH, you know, at this point, it's fairly uh, accepted that he'll, he's going to start a triple A. Uh, the Mets have talked about his need to work on defense there, which, I mean, I, I think certainly makes sense. Uh, you want to kind of have him ready to go defensively when you want to put him in there. Um, but you know, given, given, uh, the strength of his bat, I think there's also the outside chance that he could come up if, if they need someone to, uh, fill in part-time at the DH, uh, give him, you know, one or one or two starts a week, all depending, um, you know, all depending what, uh, the injury situation is like or, or how the, the season goes on. Um, so again, in, in some ways similar to Yuri Perez, I mean, just the, the impact of the skills when the guy is there um, is, is things I'm often looking for if I'm using that, you know, one of my reserve picks to kind of stash a uh, prospect or um, as I was talking about previously, or as we've been talking about, you know, when you get down into a 50 round draft and you get down into those final 10, 15 rounds and you're looking for uh, the possibility of kind of impact guys. Um, so I'm really interested to see, uh, some more Francisco Alvarez. Uh, hopefully, if he heads to um, heads to Triple A, uh, he can continue to improve defensively. Because I think there's a there's a chance if he is able to uh, convince the Mets that he can catch uh, full time. I think the bat's going to be there, and I think there's uh, really star potential there with Alvarez. Well, I had a, another guy, and I'm going to just kind of say. Francisco Alvarez, that's another great after round 30 um, type pick in a redraft. I've seen him go a lot higher than that. I think that people are a little bear, uh, bullish, uh, maybe a little too bullish on his uh, first half contributions. Um, hmm. uh, and I, I think the thing is, is if you're able to get minor league data, I'm lucky to get it. You do see a very high zone miss rate last year, especially when he got to AAA, especially on breakers and fastballs up. Um, so, like, that could temper him a bit. Um, but I think it's just a matter of youth. I think that your evaluation of him is, is uh, spot on here. Um, it's it's just youth. And, and if you're picking him late, you know, after the 300s, I mean, that's what you're picking him for. You're picking him for that impact. I think that's a great yep. choice. Now I'm going away from kind of like overall impact. I'm I'm picking a guy uh, from the Cleveland Guardians, a guy that I've been kind of championing a lot um, ever since Arizona, even before Arizona, and that's uh, outfielder Will Brennan. Um, 
I look at the Guardians outfield, and right now it looks like it is um, a not really productive outfield. Um, let's just put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of hope that Oscar Gonzalez, uh, that it wasn't a fluke. Uh, what he did in the second half and into the into the playoffs, he hit that big home run in that zero zero game uh, that broke that tie. Um, yeah. I don't like his data on Savant at all, uh, and I believe that he has some ground ball tendencies that are um, going to really hurt a player of that profile, a guy that should be kind of hitting home runs and sorts, um, especially since he's very pull dominant. Um, you know. Uh, I want somebody to be able to move the ball around if they hit it on the ground so much. Um, So like, because I'm bearish on him and I'm also bearish on miles straw. I know that he plays a lot of good defense, uh, uh, but will Brennan can play center field and play a very good center field. Uh, Will Brennan is a very solid hitter. He does chase a bit, but he has very good hand eye coordinations. We got to see him down the stretch and even into the playoffs. Uh, where he played some significant uh, um, significant games for the Guardians. Um, average exit velocity, um, you know, he, he's just a guy that knows how to get on base. Um, will um, spray the ball, has some surprising power, specifically to the right center field gap. He's a left-handed hitter. Um, I really do believe that he ends up getting more playing time um, then maybe two of the outfielders that are going ahead of him in that outfield, um, mm-hmm. specifically um, Straw, maybe early on, um, especially trying to get a, a good bat in the lineup when it's cold. Um, <laughs> maybe you throw Straw out there when the ball's flying a little more, uh, mm-hmm. when you can take advantage of that Gold Glove defense. And then I, you know, I need Oscar Gonzalez to show me uh, again uh, that he can be the player that people um, are hoping he is in redraft leagues right now. Yeah. Brennan's a good choice. Um, like you said, certainly different type of player than, uh, you know, without the, without the huge kind of loud skills that some of the other players we've talked about here. Um, and I think it's, it's fair to, uh, to wonder if he finds his way by being, you know, just an overall solid player. Uh, finds his way into that uh, Cleveland lineup. I'm going to stay uh, with the Guardians for my choice, and it's sort of uh, cheating a little bit, but uh, I found myself uh, at the end of these drafts being uh, taking a Cleveland starting pitching prospects, uh, one of one of three. Um, now we have them ranked uh, Gavin Williams, then uh, Tanner Beebe, and then Logan Allen, and that's kind of... Uh, you know, that's kind of the, uh, the order that I'm taking them in. If uh, Williams is gone, I'm taking BB. And if both are gone, I'm taking Allen. But this is more just all about uh, Cleveland's track record of developing young pitching. Um, you know, we've seen it over the years with Shane Bieber and McKenzie, uh, even, you know, Savale to uh, an extent where these kind of, uh, especially Bieber and Savale, kind of unheralded, uh, guys with good control, um, you know, come up and and take leaps forward, either in the high minors uh, or at the major league level. Um, obviously, Bieber is like the, you know, the A-plus sort of uh, model uh, for that. 
um, and 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 not and it's and it's not fair to kind of expect that amount of uh, of growth or uh, movement with these guys. But the general idea being um, that that these that these uh, pitchers in the Cleveland system that can that can throw strikes, uh, they've been able to um, you know help them develop secondaries, uh, give them uh, some more velocity at different points. And I think that that's, you know, I think the track record that they've had, the success that they've had with that uh, lends us to think about when we're um, trying to wade through choosing these uh, prospects to kind of uh, stash or keep on, on the end of our rosters and hopes of coming up. Uh, I think we need to just keep that in mind. So it's basically, uh, you know, pick a uh, high minors uh, Cleveland starter, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, I think all three of those guys, uh, have the chance to chance to come up the, you know, the downside is that there is so many of them. You're, you're not exactly sure, even though we rank them in this way, you're not exactly sure. Um, you know, when Cleveland needs a starter in mid June or whatever, who they're going to, who they're going to pick or who's going to, who they feel is the most ready. Um, but again, uh, just having, having faith in their system, and the track record there, uh, I've decided to go with a Cleveland starting pitcher. I think that's a fine choice. Um, I have targeted all th- all three of those guys. I like to try to get one of um, those three guys in my draft champions league. I'll also double up and try to go to the next tier of guardians, you know, in rounds 40 through 50 of a, draft champions, draft and hold league where you've got a 50-man roster. And I've tried to get uh, Xavion Curry or Hunter Gaddis very late um, mm-hmm. just because of how uh, you saw how many guys uh, made debuts for the Guardians last year. Uh, yeah. and, and of that group, I always try to get Xavion Curry late, 49-50. I think I actually, in NFC, NFBC, I might have the highest uh, – a pick of Xavion Curry. I guess I'm the biggest <laughs> biggest believer in him. Haven't seen him. Maybe there was some scouting bias there. Uh, but like he's a guy that you know is command control guy. There's the fastball slider curveball. It, it just works. It's it's somebody that's not going to be very attractive, but um, yep. he gets the job done. And that's what sometimes pick 50 or pick 49 ends up being in one of those drafts. The guy that just gets things done. So, um, yeah, so moving on, um, the, there are some solid reserves or end guy pick or end game draft picks that we just named. So each guy we just talked about are widely considered to be top 100 prospects or near top 100. Um, I've seen Logan Allen different places. Uh, I think we have him in our top 100. He should be. Um, it's not sexy when you throw 91, 92 miles per hour, but when you get as many swings and misses on 91, 92, I mean, it's warrants, um, um, it warrants a high ranking. (laughs) Uh, let's pick out some guys who are outside of the top 100. They might not even be in a top 400 in in some of these cases, uh, uh, who you could be, uh, who you would consider to be a surprising guy to contribute this year. Um, like none of us, if we had this episode last year, I think only a Cardinals fan would have had Brendan Donovan as a big commodity uh, last off season uh, to, 
to draft at the end, you know, rounds 40 to 50 in a, right. in an end gamer. Um, so let's try to find a few guys uh, to surprise during this season as a reliable asset late in these drafts. Uh, Brent, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah. For, uh, for these, for me, I tried to think about guys that uh, either I think are going to make their major league teams or uh, in, in most cases have at least some kind of major league experience, meaning they're really on the cusp. Now, my first guy uh, is someone we talked about last year a little bit was Spencer Steer. Um, you know, got traded uh, in the Tyler Molly trade over to Cincinnati and seems like, uh, you know, he's going to be their starting third baseman. Um, uh, and, it, you know, it's right. It's, 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 it's an ugly club, but it's, uh, you know, in that park, uh, if he gets at bats, um, I think it just might be a sneaky, uh, a sneaky profitable guy. Uh, I mean, I mean, sure. I think he's eventually probably more of a multi-position, you know, even utility guy. Um, but you know, but in, in deep fantasy leagues, uh, where bats are important, I think this year they're going to, uh, at least to start off the year, uh, you know, have him playing every day. Um, the, you know, skills aren't crazy. Uh, there's no, you know, super carrying tool, but he controls a plate hits for some pop. Um, so far, this spring has has done fine. Um, you know, eight for twenty-seven, four doubles and a homer, four walks. Um, certainly, like you said, outside the top one hundred, uh, I think he still has his uh, rookie eligibility. Um, but so far, um, especially with uh, Encarnacion Strand uh, being optioned out for now, uh, it looks like it's Spencer Steer's job at third base in uh, Cincinnati, and again, the park. Park's a big deal there, so uh, I went with Spencer Steer as my first. That's a good choice. I think uh, you know we're going to hear a lot about Christian Carnacion Strand. Uh, I hate to break it to people, the kid kid can't field. Um, so like I, I, you know, right now you're going to have third base eligibility. So for our stuff, Christian Carnacion Stan Strand makes sense. But like if you're looking for a longer term asset and you're excited about Carnacion Strand. Is he really going to be a keeper for you um, as a UT? Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Spencer Steer, third baseman. Um, again, um, the Reds have a really bad situation right now. I think Brent really uh, really nailed that one. Um, I'm going to go with a, a guy from a contending team. I guess kind of a contending team. They have a lot of good pitching. Um, and that's Bryce Terang, who uh, we have as a shortstop for the Brewers organization. Um, there's been some chatter that he ends up at second base once they realize Brian Anderson's probably not their answer at third, and they move Luis Urias over to the hot corner. Um, there's also talk that um, he could be a backup in the outfield as well. Uh, Terang was a first-round pick. has been around for about, it seems, forever. Like, I think we've been talking about Bryce Terang forever. Um, a guy that doesn't really elevate the ball that much, but he's a guy that hits a lot of line drives. Um, I think one of the things that he worked on during the offseason was to get to more lofted contact. And so far in spring games from from scouting contacts, it sounds like um, it sounds like the swing is still intact and he's he is able to loft the ball a little more. Um, this guy's not somebody – it's kind of in the Spencer Steer you know, um, realm of things. 
Steer, we're kind of hoping for him to pop some home runs because of the ballpark. Uh, Terang, we're hoping to get on base and steal some bases. Um, and that's yeah. where his value is, BA and SB. Um, and yep. then if he's up high in the lineup, I doubt if he will be. Uh, but there could be a possibility for some um, you know, high run output, especially since there are some decent run uh, run from run driver in. So I don't know what you would call it. Run producers. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of run producers. I'm sorry, guys. It's been a heck of a week um, for the first pro- podcast. I'm already exhausted. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you have anything to add about Terang? No, I think that's a good synopsis. I, it's someone that I've uh, taken a, sh- a shot or two on here, there, and I think uh, too that um, because of uh, you know because of some speed, and if he ends up at second base, there it could be uh, could have some value. Uh, my second one is um, guy we saw at the Arizona Fall League a couple of years ago. Although when we saw him, he got uh, picked through pretty good, and that's uh, Cubs right-handed starter Caleb Killian. Um, had has had a little bit of time i think last year in the majors and i think probably right now he's kind of the sixth seventh starter uh on their uh you know on their depth chart so he probably starts uh in triple a uh but what has me interested is i i happen to catch one of his spring training starts um and uh there was more there than what i realized uh he was 95 97 um, using a four seamer up and a two seamer down. Uh, he had a low nineties cutter that was effective, um, a change up and a, and a 77 curveball that he was using, uh, throughout his couple innings. It was more velocity than I remembered. Um, and I was, I was just, uh, you know, kind of, kind of raised my eyebrows just a little bit. Um, simple kind of arm delivery, uh, you know, really good extension. I really like the the pitch mix, um, and uh, so I've just been kind of uh, you know sort of tucked that one away a little bit. Um, he's had uh, four innings pitched overall, uh, just given up two hits, a solo home run, um, two Ks, and four uh, walks. So I don't I don't know that like the you know it's going to be a high K guy, um, but uh, again the the bit that I saw. Uh, was interesting to me because uh, he's a Cub and there's, uh, you know, there's opportunities at the back of that rotation. And um, the fact that uh, he's just seen composed and able to uh, work through his couple innings efficiently. Um, and he started the game. So uh, I don't remember exactly. I mean, you always have to take into account uh, the opposition when we're talking spring training, but I know he started the game um, and, uh, and pitched well. So uh, Caleb Killian, uh, I think, is someone that could surprise uh, on that front. Who's your second guy? Yeah, mine's a, a Dodgers outfielder um, by the name of Ryan Ward, who is having um, – and this is funny. I haven't even really checked in on him in spring training, but is having a really solid spring training. He's uh, um, seven for – 21, 333 average, obviously. He's walking some, uh, <laughs> some sway and miss there, but he's hit he's hit a home run. He has a 964 OPS all, all overall. Uh, Ward is the guy that uh, when I've run different data sets with um, with some of the uh, minor league hit data, um, the kind of always pops for me. Um, Ward is older prospect. He is 
25 years old. Um, he went to Bryant University, uh, you know, in Rhode Island, which is not really a baseball mecca for, uh, for instance, uh, eighth rounder. I believe he might have been a senior sign. Um, but anyway, Ryan Ward hits the ball hard, uh, consistently hard, hits a lot of home runs, has good launch angles, uh, and, and doesn't miss balls in the zone. Um, and, and those are kind of things that I really kind of concentrated on, didn't want guys that were chasing uh, over 30% and, and also, you know, swinging, missing over 30%. And this was a guy that just kept on, uh, of the sleeper types, that kept on lighting up. Um, I think that he will end up in the Dodgers outfield at some point as a, uh, you know, injury call up or something like that. Um, Tulsa did, uh, last year, he hit uh, uh, what, 255, 319, 486 with uh, 28 home runs. He, he was banged up a bit uh, at times, uh, uh, is primarily a left fielder. But he's just a guy, you know, they seem to have one of these guys that every year that comes up. The, you know, yep. James Altman is a popular guy right now uh, among some folks is a, a uh-huh. you know, around 300 or more guy. Um, and like this is this is kind of one of them that you know might pop at the end of the year with some at bats. Dodgers tend to use these guys the right way in the platoons that they're meant to be in. Uh, so like, um, you know, kind of on ward a bit. Uh, uh, as yeah. a good late round forty five or 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 further type dude, uh, yeah. Brent, who's your final guy? Uh, my final one uh, is uh, staying in L.A. Uh, Dodgers right hander Michael Grove. Um, I think you know. I think he kind of sort of gets lost a little bit um, in some of those Dodger pitching prospects. You got Gavin Stone, who's rated high. Of course, Bobby Miller. Um, even Ryan Pepio. Um, but, uh, again, uh, this was, this was the one that, uh, I happened to see a, uh, an outing in spring training, uh, three innings that he pitched against Seattle, uh, a week ago or so, um, that was, was impressive. I mean, the fastball, he was able to, um, get some good ride on it and worked kind of up in the zone, uh, got a bunch of pop-ups off of that. Um, is two interesting breaking balls, uh, you know, a 12 a traditional kind of 12 to six curveball that's, that's a little sharper and better, but also a slider that he used, uh, also kind of backfooted against some lefties. Uh, one of his, um, uh, downsides so far has been the walks, uh, but in four starts so far, uh, which cover eight, eight and two thirds innings pitch so far, uh, he has eight K's and just one walk. Uh, with under one, you know, again, small sample, of course, in, in the spring training. Um, but uh, he really looked good. I think, um, you know, it, it, he's, again, pitched a bit in uh, in the majors last year. Um, but I wonder if, uh, you know, if when L.A. needs a starter, uh, you know, maybe maybe he maybe he gets the call uh, over. Pepeo and, you know, maybe even before Bobby Miller, someone like that, who obviously has a much higher upside. Um, but when we're looking for kind of, you know, sneaky guys that uh, have pitched a little in the majors or kind of, uh, you know, depth guys for now. And, and maybe, you know, uh, given his the spring he's had um, has shown some uh, improvements. Uh, maybe he's a guy that sort of sneaks up on you and uh, can give some value there in LA. I mean, any, any, 
you know, any starter that you have in LA there uh, with, um, you know, with that good offense behind him and stuff uh, is worthy of rostering. Um, close us out. Uh, who do you got? All right. Final my final line? guy is uh, a 26 year old, a guy that has not gotten out of double a yet, but um guy that has always consistently hit the ball hard. Um, didn't do as much last year, um, to be honest with you. Um, and that's Ross Adolph. He's a left-handed hitter in the Houston Astros organization. He hasn't had a great spring training, um, really actually poor spring training. Went to the University of Toledo, was drafted by the Mets. Uh, I think he was traded in Blake Taylor trade there. Um, I think that they got J.D. Davis. I don't remember. It's It's been so long. Um, but he's a guy that has consistently popped off as somebody who's hit it hard. Um, again, this is really kind of a make or break season form. Uh, but he's a guy that I've looked at as the 49th or 50th pick in the multiple draft champion or draft and hold leagues that I've been in. Um, just the, um, the sort of guy that the Astros seem to have good luck with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. Astros every year have one pitcher that comes out of nowhere that contributes and, you know, uh, ends up being kind of a stud for them. And then there's always that one hitter that goes on that late tear. Why not Ross Adolph? Uh, why not? Um, why not? You know, yep. Why not? Uh, great guy to pick 50th. If you're picking, if you're like me and you pick Xavier Curry, 49th, uh, Ross Adolph uh, pick in round 50 is pretty strong. So, um, yeah. well, there you go. That is our episode for the week. Um, Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, Jeff Ponce from Baseball America. I should say we. I am going to be back next week. Brent's going on a vacation. No, he's not, unfortunately. <laughs> he needs one. He's 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 been a busy man. I've never met somebody busier during the offseason than, than he is. Uh, but he is. Uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can ask us any questions that the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at BrentHQ. You can reach me at C underscore blessing. First time listener, uh, listening to our pod today, please click the subscribe to get a, get those future episodes. I uh, like the Jeff Ponce episode next week and the Brent Hershey episode the week after that. Um, please rank us. Um, that's, that's a big deal for us. Uh, uh, higher rankings, the better. Um, of course, we only want five star rankings. That's just how I operate. Brent <laughs> operates. We're 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 those guys. And, uh, good to get the eyes have it back uh, this year, and looking forward to uh, another great year of uh, prospect and fantasy baseball stuff at Baseball HQ and our uh, podcast. So, thanks so much. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.